Time, you left me standing there, like a tree growing all alone. How much time is there really, as we discuss True Believer on this 45th episode of Resurrection Revealed? Welcome back for another full discussion fan feedback episode of the Resurrection Revealed podcast. We're a proud member of Noodle Mix Network and sponsored by lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com. You can get a 10-day free trial and start this year off by learning something new, like maybe finally learning how to do QuickBooks. That's what I'm going to be doing. Visit lynda.com slash resurrection for all the details. And we want to thank you for joining us for this in-depth discussion all about Season 2, Episode 11, True Believer. This is an unofficial podcast and blog by and for fans of ABC TV's Resurrection. It's January 13th, 2015, and I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan who is definitely a true believer that no matter what the circumstances are, we have a chance to be victorious in Seattle. That'd be great to see. I am at Troy Heinrichs, and if you didn't catch the tune at the top of the show, that was Time from Hootie and the Blowfish. I thought it was interesting that Darius Rucker has on his solo album a song called True Believer. So that was where that came from this week. If you haven't noticed, we've been doing some musical things for the starts of the show. So if you can pick them out, give us a call. It's at resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine. See if you can come up with something creative for next week's episode. It'd be great to hear from you. Show notes for this episode can be found at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 45 as we dive in. I believe. Do you believe, Wayne? I definitely believe. Man, I think we all kind of just dropped our jaw this week. It was like, whoa, he actually did what he said he was going to do. Or did did he? (laughs) I'm still confused about uh, whether or not, but I, I bet we'll find out next week. But right now... I have a totally different opinion than I did at the beginning of the episode this week. Yeah. What is Preacher James's deal? Is he really for real? Is he really a swindler? Is he something altogether different? It's really a great introduction of a character, even though he's only here for four episodes of the season. Something's going on. Definitely something's going on. And I think it just throws a wrench in a lot of the theories and thoughts that we've had leading up to this point. Because I did not see it coming that possibly someone has a little bit of control over this. Besides, on the opposite side of things, Grandma Langston having a bit of control on being able to get rid of the returned. Well, and the other things that I didn't notice was the blatant biblical tie-ins that they're really throwing at us this season. As we start off with the fact that Preacher James rescued uh, Bellamy from a basket in the river. Uh, Did anybody say Moses the minute that happened? (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking. Now, I'm not sure if maybe we're supposed to take that literal because that really adds to the mystery of J. Martin Bellamy and how he's been able to survive if he really did float down the river in a basket. Or is this something that's maybe brought over from their shared dream state or whatever they have going on? Well, and if you think about Moses and everything that he did, when you think about the river in Arcadia, and we always talked from season one that the river might've had something to do with this. And then you have Moses, of course, turning the Nile from uh, water to blood. So there has to be some property about the river. And then you have the plague of locusts and things of that nature that we mentioned in season one with the cicadas. So it seems like there's some tie-ins here with Egypt, as we kind of alluded to back in the early episodes of the podcast. But the bigger question is, is will Bellamy actually stand up for, you know, his people, the returned and kind of say, let my people go from that uh, detention center. I would not be surprised. I see it going that direction for sure. Now he's been dreaming for three days about the preacher. The question I have is, was it really a dream or a different kind of plane of existence? Because when they talk at Twain's later, as they're sitting across the table from each other, it doesn't seem like Bellamy's aware of the vision until preacher James says, Hey, we shared that vision and you're just kind of ignoring it. Well, one thing's for sure, Twain's appears to be the only diner in town, much like on Under the Dome with the Sweet Briar Rose. Everything happens at Twain's all of a sudden. But I I can see both sides of the situation, whether or not it's dreams or 
a different plane of existence, like you mentioned, Troy. I don't know if they're ready to tell us which it is or possibly maybe there's a way it could be both. One of the things that it struck me was when he woke up, you know, Jenny said that she was he was sleeping or dreaming or something with his eyes open. And whenever I think about people laying there with their eyes open daydreaming, is it possible that their essence has left their body and they really are in a different vessel? So if we think mm-hmm. of these bodies as vessels, right? You know, they left the the Jacob vessel one and now they're in Jacob vessel two, and then Rachel's in Rachel vessel three. You know, is that kind of what's happening here? Is Bellamy going into a different vessel temporarily crossing over to have that conversation? Because the thing that really struck me was this conversation with Mr. Henderson in the woods. It had seemed like Bellamy and Preacher James had been working together for a while as the show opens and Mr. Henderson really wanted to go home. Take me back. Take me back. We couldn't figure out what he actually said when he said, no, I belong here because Jenny's voice talks over Mr. Henderson's voice as he's mouthing those words. So what we don't know is were they in the presence of wherever Henry was in that dream state or were they really in the woods of Arcadia and Bellamy's like remembering a flashback or something. I don't know. Exactly, because they're presenting it to us, or at least trying to make us think that it's present day, present time, and that Mr. Henderson, no relation as far as I know, um, has returned, but for whatever reason is kind of scared, disoriented, just kind of skittish. But I'm starting to think the more you describe it, Troy, that perhaps this is the place where they are when they went to go fetch him, I suppose. Yeah, and the only reason I think of that is because he didn't seem scared when he came back to his wife. Exactly. So if he's not scared when he comes back to his wife, then he's back happy where he's supposed to be. I mean, granted the scene doesn't go on long enough to make a assertion one way or the other, if that's really where he wants to be. Cause then if you juxtaposition that to Henry at the end of the episode, is he glad to be back? I mean, he doesn't seem excited to be back other than, you know, he says, you know, Hey, I'm here monkey to, to, to Jacob. <laughs> but he doesn't seem as excited to be back as you would think he would be. So it's hard to tell what the, what they're trying to present to us because with only two episodes left in this season and possibly only two seasons left to go period. um, I'm not sure what's happening just yet, but that's a great point that, you know, Henry, he's, he's a different kind of duck as far as the way he looks at things. So his is harder to figure out. Than Mr. Henderson's. But you know the scene there in the town square where we've got Preacher James and he's having an old timey revival there and everybody's surrounded and he's talking to Mrs. Henderson and, you know, holds her hand and tells her that he's going to bring back Mr. Henderson and he appears. Mr. Henderson comes back. I I have a nitpick. It it's nothing really major, but it just for whatever reason kind of grates on my nerves that so many people in the town square were totally shocked with amazement that Mr. Henderson is back from the dead when this town of Arcadia has seen hundreds, if not thousands of people come back from the dead. I don't know why they were so surprised by the whole thing. I don't know if it was really that kind of a situation. I mean, I think they were more shocked that it was like he said he was there and then, oh my gosh, then he's there. Like just happened to walk up at that moment. I think that's really what they were more shocked and amazed by than his return. But the fact that he returned on command or it seemed like he returned on command. That's what I picked up from the scene is that they were shocked by the return from by command. But even with that, I don't think that just the fact that he came back on command should have caused that much shock and amazement. Maybe a little bit of head scratching like that's weird. Usually people just show up. But uh, again, it's basically a nitpick. I mean, we we just kind of have to set that aside, or at least I have to. (laughs) That was a great scene between the two brothers. They're talking about baseball, kind of commiserating like they were chums again. I know they had kind of a strained relationship over the years, especially about Margaret. But they seem to be on good terms, and Fred's obviously immediately tees up. Now, we some of us saw the promos last week, so we knew Henry was potentially going to die in this episode. You know, spoilers and promos can always be wrong and misleading, but we we pretty much figured he was going to die. And then Fred tees up the, well, if you keep doing that, you're going to have a heart attack. Right. It was like, hello, foreshadowing, blatantly obvious. 
<laughs> That's about as foreshadowing as you can get, Troy. That one was, yeah. Even if you had not seen the promo at the end of last week's episode in ABC, stop it with putting out promos like this. Even if you hadn't seen that, once he says that, and the fact that uh, he's been kicked out of the house by his wife, uh, yeah, I was thinking something bad was going to happen. And it certainly didn't take very long. No, and I think that's why they put it in the promo, because the, the his death wasn't the shocking thing. His return was the shocking thing. Well, true, in hindsight. <laughs> right. Um, but what was really great about their conversation in the restaurant was how he was telling uh, Henry that his actions really spoke louder than his words. He was basically choosing mom and the factory over Lucille. And I just wondered, is there a time where you can think of where your actions speak louder than words? You know, we should, should we be more cognizant of things we do in our lives because they may be conveying the wrong message. Although I can't think of a specific for myself, I know that I've done it many, many, many times, but it, that was a great point for Fred to bring up. But at the same time, I don't know if he's 100% on point. It didn't seem like Henry was trying too hard to please his mom. It just seemed like he wanted to take this opportunity to get the factory back going. And his mom kind of manipulated him into thinking that it was all for the Langstons and all for the town of Arcadia. But uh, it, at least Henry was really happy when he was on that uh, binge of trying to get the factory reopened. And I guess the question is, will he go back onto that binge now that he's returned? Or does he have a different viewpoint on things? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how his outlook is now that he, too, like so many other people in town, has died and come back. So let's talk about mom then over at the government facility, a.k.a. prison, if you want to call it that, or re-education center. Let's definitely, (laughs) because this was... So different than anything else we've seen on Resurrection, and yet it was it was gold, and I think it's very important. Yeah, because we have the cafeteria scene where we are clearly introduced to a prison bully concept with right. this lady taking the lady's glasses, and then we have Margaret in her infinite, like, ooh, that's Margaret Langston. Everybody whisper. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, so she just demands the glasses back, and even the bully is semi-afraid of Margaret Langston kind of giving that credibility to everybody else in the room. I think the bigger question though, is what was in the room that we should be looking at specifically those giant blue colored coolers in the background. Was that all water? I mean, it almost looked like it was like deja blue or, you know, Danzany or something water bottles just stuck to the core. And is that supposed to be a, a key that water is important again to hydrate these people to keep them alive and around a la Caleb back in episode five of season one. Well, you definitely have to stay hydrated after you've come back from the dead. But uh, whenever I see containers that look blue, unless I can really tell if they're water and I forgot to look too close to see if they were water. But whenever I see blue liquids, it just reminds me that that's kind of an unnatural color. There's not really blue liquids in nature that I know of. And I just always notice it going all the way back to Star Wars A New Hope. When I first saw that as a kid, that was one thing we were all talking about. Why did they have blue liquids? What What's the deal with the blue liquids? I've never seen it. But uh, it, the, everything in that facility, and at this point, I know that I've always kind of distrusted that it was actually the government. But at this point, I think going with the obvious answer is the best way to go. But uh, yeah, it's almost propaganda filled between the blue jugs of water, whatever it is, all that liquid. And then we've got these propaganda signs on the wall and everybody's scared. It's like a police state almost. Yeah. The funny part about those signs was that I didn't notice the don't spoil your second chance. And I was trying to read it when I saw it, but I saw it at the end of the episode. Yeah. And and it it was fuzzy then. Yeah. It was like, it it looked like a scoop of ice cream or something. I don't know what was (laughs) actually on it, but if you actually stand in the, on the second watch, as Margaret's thinking uh, the compliments of the chef, the, the poster's actually right there in the serving line. Don't spoil your second. And so you, I don't know if you pick it up the first time. You only pick it up on the, on the second rewatch. Uh-huh. But yeah, very interesting on the propaganda side. You know, are, you, are they brainwashing people while they're there to understand their place in the world, their role they in the world? They might as well. Really, as well. really interesting. Yeah, and it kind of makes you wonder because they're, 
they're really only there because nobody has claimed them at least yet. So I don't know why you have to talk so much about their second chance when they don't really have much of a second chance if somebody doesn't claim them. And of course, the big question is, is this center only filled with Arcadians? Are there other returnees in this facility? Are there other facilities? And I think we'll get some of those answers potentially next week. I think the larger question at hand is they didn't seem like they were in prison, though. I mean, free the lady had free reign to come down to Margaret's room. It's not like Margaret right. couldn't get up and leave the room. So it's almost more like an assisted living center. But if you try to leave and walk out of that facility and just walk out of town, you're not going to get very far, I have a feeling. but Yeah, gates it, or something are blocking them in the building. And, and at least at this point, like you said, until we get more answers in upcoming episodes, at least this facility, if this is the only one, or even if it's not, these mostly seem like Arcadians because they almost all knew the legend of Margaret Langston. Yeah. And I love the backstory too, about how it was her, was it her uncle was the accountant and yes, just how they t- think so. tied that together so that she could get the com- camaraderie. And of course they teed up the, Hey, you know, we want to bust out of here. You, you could organize I, it. You're awesome. Which I'm sure if you read the press release for next week is exactly, I think what happens. <laughs> I, I, I thought that scene was kind of funny, but, you know, it makes sense. This lady seems like a nice enough lady. She got her glasses back just for whatever reason, her relatives that would be able to claim her. Perhaps they've all passed on and there's no one else in the family lineage to come get her. She seems like a normal enough person. I could understand the wanting to break out, but apparently Margaret is not going to be the one that wants to help them necessarily. Yeah, she has nothing to go back to. As she's talking to Randy, it is, right? Randy's the security guard. I think it was Randy, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's talking to Randy, you know, there's nothing for me to go back to. And it was interesting when you have that conversation to realize that she is the only one there by choice. Everybody else was forced to be there. And so that's very interesting to think about how she ends up potentially becoming the person that's gonna bust everybody out in the coming weeks. And maybe that has to do with the fact that Henry died and came back to life. And so now she realizes that I really don't hate my sons. I really want to be with my sons. And that's why she wants to get the heck out of there and needs help to do it. That very well could be. I think we'll find out in four or five days. So then we have this um, concept of the baby still playing in the background. Rachel shows up. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm good. Everything's fine. You know, uh, I don't like that uh, other woman who we won't, uh, they, they, they tend to use that word a lot on the show to <laughs> talk about the government yeah. lady. And now they talk about Janine in that fashion. And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's kind of odd because I know that Janine is a little bit nuts. Maybe she needs particular medic medication and therapy. And obviously it's not nice to kidnap pregnant ladies and hold them against their will, but I still thought that uh, Rachel's comment was a bit too harsh. Well, she was drugging her too. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> and remember, Pastor Tom wasn't a pastor when they were dating originally, so she didn't have to be as couth as she might have been later on, where Janine was more holier than thou. True, and, and I'm just wondering if listener uh, Lucifer would say that uh, Rachel's the best. Totally the best. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what I really want to find out, though, is timelines, because when the show started season two, it was a week after the military invasion, which most of season one happened over the course of that first week. So when we start out season two, it's been two weeks right. since the first you know, return of Jacob returning anyway. And so where are we now? Like, how fast has this baby progressed? Is it, you know, a 40 week pregnancy in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? Well, you know, what's funny? In a strange way is because it keeps going. This storyline keeps going on the back burner and they bring it back. And it's been going on since she first returned that it almost seems like a 20 month or three and a half year pregnancy to me. It doesn't seem like it's going fast at all. Yeah. Cause there was that one episode where she's like, how long have you been pregnant? And she's like, well, you know, like 12 weeks and 12 years. <laughs> it, it seems like forever, but uh, the, I am positive that we're going to be seeing a baby within the next week or two. And with that baby, this is the second reference we got now towards a messianic kind of prophecy being fulfilled because we had that Isaiah prayer that Janine was saying over the baby 
right. know, the, yes. the, the bad animals will sleep with the good animals. I can't remember all the animals off the top of my head. But then we have Elaine in the bar as Rachel's talking to Elaine saying, well, you know, if, if uh, some wise men show up with some gifts. And I was like, oh, well, was that in there for a reason? Are they clearly trying to tell us that this baby has messianic properties of some kind? Elaine is the best. She's the best. <laughs> I thought that comment was way out of left field, but you know, it's obviously something we're supposed to uh, tie into it. So somewhere between the baby and Marty and the very mysterious uh, new preacher in town, one of those three is definitely meant to lead these people. Yeah. The, the res had population is going, Oh yeah, that is totally a, something we should be picking up on. Yes. And then I like how the writers are immediately like, ah, oh, who are we kidding? It's Arcadia. You just get settled for rednecks and pickup trucks. <laughs> uh, classic stuff. And then they go Love to it. the uh, cemetery and they're visiting Pastor Tom's grave, kind of reminiscing a little bit. And then there's this weird look of Rachel glancing down at Preacher James's tombstone. Yes. And my first thought was, are all... Is everybody in that cemetery a preacher or pastor? Because there's a lot of them. Okay, there's two, but they're so close together. But that was quite odd that Rachel, the look she gave to that tombstone, Preacher James Goodman, which uh, reminds me of uh, Roger Workman on Lost. No relation. But uh, that's interesting that Preacher James's last name is Goodman. Good man. Um, I have a crackpot theory. Should I just throw it out there right now? Yeah, why not? Somehow, in some way, what if it's Preacher James who's the father of the baby? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that's pretty close to my crackpot theory. Oh, maybe it's not crackpot. What's yours? My crackpot theory is that the baby is Preacher James. Ooh. It is obviously, we've listened and read a lot of science fiction and watched a lot of Lost. My other crackpot theory is that Rachel's actually carrying Mr. Langston. Interesting. That's one that has not been on my radar. Well, it, there's something, because ha- there has to be something spectacular about the baby, right? Because it's been the whole play up for the entire season. And the thing that still strikes me weird about Rachel is that she can remember the fire. She th- right, yes. At yeah. One time she said she was in the fire. The next time she's outside the fire talking to Margaret in that dream state or that plane of existence. So for some reason, she has a tie back to 30s somehow. And of course, that question becomes, was she alive back in the 30s and then died and came back in the 80s or whenever it was or 90s and then, you know, lived out her childhood at that point in time because she died as a child earlier so, or is it really the same consciousnesses, consciousnesses? What's that word? That's good enough for me. <laughs> the same spirits coming back repetitively into different vessels. I think it could be most anything. I think you're onto something there, Troy, because for example, with, uh, with Marty, with Marty Bellamy, you know, he also was you know born in the thirties, didn't know he was a returned all this time. And so he goes way back there. So I would not be surprised if she goes way back there. And that's why these shared dream states or whatever tie back even to the 30s when supposedly she wasn't alive back then. And I have a feeling we will find out that she was. Now, of course, we could go totally off the rails into crazy land that perhaps, much like in Stephen King's The Stand, maybe she actually got pregnant in one of those dream states. Oh, that would be interesting. A- a- anything's possible, but I do miss, I do miss pastor Tom. And I, I hope they, even though preacher James said that he's not able to bring pastor Tom back, I, I hope they find a way to do it. Yeah. And he was very specific about that too. And so a lot of people were t- commenting and talking that the reason why he can't bring him back is because Tom doesn't want to come back because Tom's in that dream state where he has Rachel and he has the baby. And so he's content wherever he's at. And that's why preacher James potentially quote unquote, can't find him. I don't know. Or the, the actor has moved on to other things or the baby is Tom reincarnate. That would be awesome. Who knows preacher versus preacher. 
Battle- preacher versus pastor. Right, exactly. Battling it out sermon sermon blow by sermon blow. <laughs> yeah. So time will tell. At least two more episodes. There's got to be answers coming at us so fast in the next two weeks. You better hang on. Well, let's talk about the the big thing for this week then. This whole potential of being able to go find somebody and bring somebody back. And unfortunately, it ends up being Henry who dies of a heart attack. And there's just so many cues that we need to take note of and then figure out how the heck this all plays into. And are we going to get these answers in two weeks? And the first cue, obviously, is the the watch. You know, Lucille sits there and she notices that, hey, it's 615. You know, why is he running late? As you hear a heartbeat sound effect in the background and as it goes click, click, and it stops, which is immediately where they cut the scene over to Henry thanking Bellamy for bringing Jacob back into their lives and having that kind of vision and then finding him dead out in the street. Like all yeah, of that it, happens like almost instantaneously. There was so much awesome sauce in this part of the show. And the fact, like you talked about the watch kind of skipping a beat and then stopping. And there was also kind of a faint sound effect that sounded like an old time alarm clock, you know, the wind up kind from before electricity, the alarms going off and like it just, that alarm kept playing in a loop and it's really faint, but I'm positive. I heard it on the rewatch. Mm, I did not hear it the second time. I will play that back again and see. I'm trying to remember. It may have been near the end of the episode when Henry came back and she was looking at her watch, waiting to see if it was going to move. It was one of those two times that involved the watch. You'll hear the alarm clock. Uh, sound effect uh, looping. And that's the one thing that was kind of my nitpick for this week is that they did such a great job of that entire sequence of the watch stopping Henry's vision, then Henry dead in the car that when she goes and looks at the watch, I'm almost waiting for over the shoulder shot to see the second hand move again. I think that would have been epic. Almost too expected though. I mean, I felt just like you that I thought for sure we were going to see that and maybe that's why they didn't include it because we were all so expecting it and then the question is did lucille actually see it and were her tears tears of joy or tears of true sadness i wasn't on the second watch the first time i thought she was crying because she she gave up right no he's not coming back because the watch didn't move the second time i watched it knowing that he was coming back i was like is she just so overjoyed she doesn't know how to react and then here's, you know, cute little Lennon Jimenez walking down the stairs. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to answer the front door because someone's there. <laughs> it's probably my dad. <laughs> and he knows it's his dad because they're on the same plane of existence. I think that her tears were of joy because throughout the episode, especially when we watched it a second time, she was pretty much positive 100% of the time. Oh, yeah, Henry's going to be back and, you know, Preacher James is going to go get him. She was not very upset at all that uh, Henry had died because she knew that they were going to succeed. She was so positive. And you have to be a true believer as the episode Mm -hmm. says, in order for this to work. And I think it goes back to all the way to season one, when we said in order for the returned number one to come back, somebody has to need them or want them or pull them into our existence. And then they have to also want them to stay because if they don't want them to stay, that's when the return then also lose their will to keep going on. In the case of Caleb, where Elaine was like, I'm done with you as my dad. So then Caleb lost his will to continue. And then, you know, Barbara having her lost her will because Margaret said they don't really need you and you don't belong here. And probably the same thing with Arthur Holmes when Arthur ended up disappearing from the hospital is that Margaret helped him realize that he can just let go. Yeah, but- it's an exact per- parallel to the fact that the return that are being held in the facility, they need to be physically claimed. Whereas these other return that are in Arcadia, they need to be emotionally claimed or they give up and they go away to a whole different place. Yeah. There's a lot going on there with a, which goes to the, the, the overall question, right? Did preacher James really bring back Henry? And the thing that I keep scratching my head about is number one, why did he have to die? to go get them when every time someone's come back, we've asked the question of, do you remember what happened? They're like, I died. And then I showed up here. So if he can literally go in and get them, 
that means Preacher James has to be able to remember what happened in between deaths and coming back. It's very confusing and it's so out of left field. I did not see that twist in the storyline coming. And this is the one, like you said, the big question that we need the big answer. How is preacher James able to do this? Because I, at this point, I believe he is able to do it. I don't know how or why, but there is something special about him. And that whole scene was so surreal where he's standing right in front of his grave, basically uh, saying, you know, Fred, Marty, one of you, you got to shoot and kill me. Yeah. And then he says, uh, you know, I'll be back in an hour. (laughs) That was unexpected as well. But he wasn't back in an hour. It took like till the next morning. So then the question becomes, when you think about Ray Mays and everything he's been sharing about time bending and the two planes crossing each other is wherever he went to get Henry. Did it only take an hour in that time? Versus coming back into our plane of existence where it took almost a half a day. Right. It could have been something along those lines, or perhaps, uh, perhaps preacher James had to do a little more persuading with Henry or for whatever reason, maybe because Henry was such a recently deceased person that it gets a little more complicated. I, I don't know. Well, I like my hour in the other plane and a faster time in this plane because that ties directly into a Stephen King novel that you and I both read, which is the dark tower. Excellent. Excellent. And the fact that there are multiple call it earths, if you will, and different planes of existence. And only in one primary universe does time run constant, but everywhere else time runs a little faster or a little slower. And I think that's really what we had here is that to him, it's an hour, but to everybody else, it's much longer. Exactly. And those, those are fantastic books. I cannot wait till someday they get made into a movie. It will definitely bend your mind, but I, I can see it going that way. I'll go with that for now, Troy. Well, and if you think about it, when they say, when you're coming into that, that prime in the dark tower, when you come into the, the prime universe, you know, you have the walkers, I think they call them, right. The, um, that they come in and they're just, they're just here and they're different and they glow differently and things of that nature. So yeah, the walk-ins, the walk-ins, that's what it was. I'm thinking walking dead is the walkers, but, uh, the walk-ins and is that what we have here? We do, do we have walk-ins into Arcadia? We have something akin to that. That's for sure. So, yeah, I do not know where this is going to go. I am all in for the last two episodes, obviously, because this week was the, huh? What? Cause now I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. The- I've watched almost every episode at least twice this season, but this episode, True Believer, so fantastic and so many twists and turns. I've I've watched that one three times so far. Yeah, and there's so much small stuff, like you said, like Goodman on the tombstone, right? He's a good man. The uh, don't spoil your second chance. The fact that he used the word spoil in mm-hmm. the cafeteria. <laughs> very poetic. Right. Um, it just... Very, very interesting to see what's going to happen. And of course, if you did catch the previews for next week, remember Wayne and I say, don't watch them. But if you did catch them, it's going to be epic for the ultimate episode. I tried to avoid them, they, but they came on so fast and I couldn't get the button on the remote to stop fast enough. And all of a sudden, whoop, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, 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 crazy stuff. And then, of course, there's the whole tie in of why does Bellamy need to be present in order for Peter James to do his thing when he really didn't need to be there at all. I know in some way, I think he needs to be there, but I was expecting that he also had to die yet again, but uh, he didn't. So yeah, they, they have to explain that. That's it's very interesting. Marty is very important for lots of reasons. Yes, 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 yes. We're going to get into all of your thoughts in just a little bit, but first, Ratings time for True Believer, Mr. Wayne. Oh, my goodness. Another fantastic episode of Resurrection. I'm going to give this one nine out of ten brothers chatting about baseball and and then about their mom. Mm, I'm going to give it also a nine out of ten. I was close. I was a ten out of ten. And then there were just those two small things where I was like, "Eh," the watch, uh, not seeing the watch a second time. Uh, But nine out of ten glasses because I need to see things more clearly. Oh, very well done. Uh, good show. I really good episode this week. I mean, again, the writing, the acting, 
everything about this show is just so good and so yes. poignant and very thought provoking, you know, for what we should think about in our lives as we move along as human beings and working along with each other in our plane of existence. You know, it just asks those questions about, you know, do do your actions speak louder than your words? Do you truly say what's on your mind? Do you hold grudges for 32 years? Um, really interesting that Lucille had that biology book on the counter as she made her uh, dinner date with Henry. Was that a reminder for her? Was that she was going to burn it because she didn't want to be reminded of it anymore? I thought that was quite interesting as well. Oh, in the present timeline, she had that intro book again? Yeah, it was sitting right there on the counter as she was talking to Henry. Hmm. Like, hey, let's meet at Twain's. And then the camera pans down and there's the biology book. There's that book in the game. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it is something that uh, she's about ready to destroy. I can't imagine why on earth she would bring it out now unless it just maybe she cried over it while Henry was gone because she remembered that that's what she was reading when she fell asleep. Because, you know, those intro to biology books, man, they, they don't hold your attention very well. Well, you know, the good thing about those intro to biology books is that she's brushing up on her skill sets, right? Because she wanted to just kind of re-energize her skills. And a place that you can actually brush up on your skill sets is lynda.com. We're glad to have them on as a sponsor for Resurrection. You can go to lynda.com slash resurrection to get your free 10-day trial. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash resurrection. It's used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses so whether, you know, you're trying to get a new job, I mean, it's tough out there when you've been gone for 32 years like Jacob and Margaret, or if you've been gone, you know, 12 years like Rachel, even if you've been gone two days like Mr. Henderson, not Wayne Henderson, the other Mr. Henderson, it'd be great if you could just brush up on those skills and you can get those from, you know, very good quality professors over at lynda.com slash resurrection. We have a free 10-day trial for you just by going over there. You'll get unlimited access to every course and you can take the tutorials on your tablet or smartphone. So be sure to head over to lynda.com slash resurrection for that free 10-day trial and help support the podcast. Please do. It's good stuff. And I'm serious. I'm finally going to learn QuickBooks. Well, let's go over to the Resurrection Revealed fan feedback section right after this. All right, Res Heads, the listener feedback hotline is open. Plus one, nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine. And we got some cleanup actually from last week's episode, Prophecy from Jewel Girl forty three. Hi, Wayne and Troy. Uh this is Jewel Girl forty three. I am calling because there was a question that you guys had about how Marty was able to um have his sister sent to him if he was sick. And the thing was that Marty was healed. First scene we saw of Marty, he was getting an IV drip. And shortly after, I think it was a scene when they were at uh, Lucille's house, when Marty was about to leave to go search for, um, was when they were going out to search, um, Maggie told him that the serum was, was ready. So I think that he got a shot of the serum and he was healed. And that's how his sister was able to be sent to him. Okay. Just wanted to clear that up. Bye. Thank you so much for calling in with that information. And that makes a lot of sense. I, since she jewel girl, jewel girl, 43, that's hard to say. And you Troy, that that's kind of where you were leaning that uh, Marty's healthy. Now he's allowed to have his sister. I think that makes perfect sense. I'm going to go with it. And it was great to see her have such a prominent role on this week's episode. But the only way that and this is where it was confusing for me, it was because the only way that he could be healed is if he had gotten the amniotic fluid from Rachel 2.0, which Angela's boss specifically said, no, we know Angela slipped him the fluid anyway. So did he make a side call specifically directly to Angela in order to get Jenny out? That's that. I think that's where my confusion is, is like, how did, how did he get her out without more government people knowing, which means more government people would know that the cure exists. Interesting. I, I still think that Angela's boss might uh, be a little more understanding than what we were led to believe. Potentially. It could be. We're given the benefit of the doubt. We only seen him once. Anything could happen. <laughs> uh, Ray Mays actually uh, commented after the podcast last week, 
uh, about uh, in the 1930s. Now, this is Ray's crackpot theory. Uh, he believes that the government came to the old Arcadia and made a deal with Margaret's father to get to the Langston family and get control of the factory for their use. We don't know what the exact use was or whatever they were going to do for it. And it caused the deadly virus that spread to the town. Something went wrong at the factory and all the people were killed. That's the incident that disrupts the time and dimensions. It's such a tragic event that it rips kind of the fabric of time, if you will. Uh, The government attempted to cover up the incident with the trucking accident. And then the returns start showing up among them, those that were killed at the factory. And the government fears that some of the returned will expose what they did at the factory. Then the government spreads rumors that the returned are demons, convinces Margaret's father and followers to kill him. The returned from the factory keep coming back over and over and over again. And finally, they are burned at the factory, which gets us into Margaret's story. The virus ends up getting worse and the government panics, probably using a storm as a cover, blows up Arcadia's old dam and floods and destroys the town. That they hoped this would wash away all of their problems, We know that that didn't actually happen. Margaret's arranged marriage was a way of getting into the Langston family. From the start, the returned were seen as a problem in something in the way or that may expose what the government did. Life basically just went on in all the dimensions, but the incident at the factory causes them to say collide at various points in time when the returned end up showing up a la the 50 years or the 30 years or the 20 years in the future that we were talking about last week. Uh Aha. Okay. In current Arcadia and time, the government still is concerned about the returned. They use the virus, the same one they caused the 1930s factory incident, as a natural way to get rid of the return once and for all. We know that there's a cure for the virus, so what will the government do now? Robert's sister is just another returned to the government. She may have a tracker on her, but the government already knows where he is. Giving him custody of the girl is probably a way of regaining Marty's trust. The child is something the government can use. Is that looking at her as human to explain what he said last week? And when we didn't quite understand what he was getting at. So is the government using her as a tool rather than viewing her as a human is his point. And an excellent point. It is Ray. That is fantastic. That's like a hashtag government cover up. I love that well thought out theory and how, Perhaps the government may have caused all this to begin with, and now they don't know how to clean up their mess. And every 50 or 30 years, it comes back around again. I still say that it has to do something with the waterfalls, the river. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The flood or something, some tragic event happened that did something, you know, and then tying that together between the water and then the people coming back to life. There's something in there. That still, I think, is the real crux of the whole thing because of the, especially because of the water bubbles and the opening credits. I love bubbles. Uh, the then uh, Maverick uh, Maverick Ek on Twitter actually said, "You know what actually keeps the preacher from bringing back true evil? Say like Hitler." Oh my goodness, that could open up a huge can of worms, and I don't think there's anything to really keep him from bringing them back unless preacher really only has access to people from Arcadia or maybe he truly has turned over a new leaf. And even though he seems a little creepy and now he's on the up and up because he is Mr. Goodman after all. And he says that he's turned from his bad ways. So hopefully if he did come across somebody as evil as Hitler in this area, wherever it is, he's getting these people. Uh, perhaps he will just leave them there. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question, especially thinking about what's coming down the pipe for the show. You know, what is there an army coming? Is it, is it a return? We, cause we got introduced to the true living group. You know, is there a true living return, but a more on a mass scale? Because I'm assuming that we had a mass return at the end of season one, that that would be the MO to have some other mass return at the end of season two. Um, speaking figuratively here, but then to what purpose, to what end is that mass return going to happen? I'm going to have to just tune in next Sunday night and find out because I did not see so many things coming in this week's episode that I have a feeling I have no way of knowing what's going to be coming this week. It's going to just be mind blowing. I think. 
And then Neil from Bowie wrote in and he said that he kind of thinks that Bellamy was seeing preacher James at the exact moment that James was retrieving Mrs. Henderson's husband. The vision of Henry before as he died was quite interesting. I don't think they can wrap everything up in just two episodes, but it will be interesting to see what they do. No doubt. It's it's a lot to ask of them. Two episodes of 42 minutes each, you know, plus commercials. We just have to go along for the ride at this point, I tell you. Yeah, it's, the season three has to happen. I mean, there's even if they answer it in 88 minutes, it's probably just not even going to seem fulfilling at this point because there's just so much more story that you can talk about. I mean, there's so many more people in Arcadia, so many touch points that you could explore. Uh, you could tell stories for quite some time. And speaking of stories, we've got a call here from Mr. Jeff Gentry that uh, talks a little bit about another story that we need to touch on a little bit more. But I have to kind of warn you, it is a little spoilery because Jeff does reference the promo. So if you're totally avoiding that kind of information, skip ahead about three minutes. We'll be here for you when you get there. But in the meantime, here's Jeff. Okay, guys, this is Jeff Gentry, X-Force 11, calling in. Quick question for you, okay? It looks like in the promos that there's a lot more return coming back. Uh, But my question is, the elegant woman um, was talking about them coming back. Do you think she's a return? Um, We kind of got that little picture of her on the plane seat as a kid, and she may be a return. Do you still think she's a return? And if so, how does she connect um, to the rest of the return? Thanks, guys. Bye. Jeff, thank you so much for calling in to plus one, 904-469-7469. And yes, we need to get resolution on the story about the elegant woman. I believe 100% 100 that she is a return. And I think for his answer, my theory that stood when we got to see that plane crash is that if you die in Arcadia, you can come back. And we just haven't heard very much information about, you know, this tragic plane crash that might've happened around Arcadia, but wherever it is that it happened, somehow she's returned. She's moved up the ranks in, in the government will, will say, and she's, she's definitely in the know. She, if there is a season three of resurrection, I think that she will be a pivotal character. Now here's the plot twist or plot hole in that concept, because if Bellamy didn't know he was a return and he was a young boy, now granted he might've been like baby, baby being that he was in a basket. So at the same time, then you have Rachel. We don't know how old she might've been if she lived back in the thirties, as we were talking about earlier in the show this evening. And so would she know that she was a return from such a young age? I guess is my is my thought. Wasn't she? Well, she was like the only survivor, right? Yeah, which would have seemed strange even to a child, but I believe she's about the same age at when she had died or whatever might have happened in that plane crash. I think she's about the same age as Jacob is, or would have been. She might be a little older though. Maybe a little older, and Jacob knew that he died and came back. Yeah, I guess we'd have to look at the. you know, plane information, uh, see if we can get any from those newspaper clippings again to see if there was a date on the plane crash. But my theory is, is that the plane crashed in Arcadia and that's why okay. she was able to return. I think you have to die in Arcadia in order to return. But then that and might be busted based on the promos for next week. <laughs> and they have kind of totally gone away from what was such a big deal in season one where everybody was wearing red, you know, but, uh, for uh, Angela Forrester at this point, um, no matter what color she's wearing, uh, she's going to be back. Oh, you know, I didn't even think to look for that. So I'm going to have to watch again to look at Mr. Henderson and then look at Henry and see if there was any red on them. I, don't, I didn't pay that close of attention to, to see if I could spot it, but maybe it's there. I, I don't think it is. I think the whole red thing was just something from last season. And this season, they threw it out the window so they could focus on other things. No, because I thought Margaret had red, and I thought Arthur Holmes had red. Yeah. We'll have to go back and watch. That's the best part about Hulu. (laughs) There you go. All the episodes are available on Hulu. So if you don't have Hulu, go ahead and go to Hulu and go ahead and see them all from there. Okay. Uh, Lucifer is back and uh, just wants to say kudos to Rachel for dropping the B-bomb to 
Janine. Of course, wow. Lucifer is, uh, you know, rooting for Rachel. She's and, the best. <laughs> and uh, uh, number one, this episode is just sad and fast and teary and solemn. And yeah, my eyes watered every time Fred gives that puppy dog look. And uh, great acting by by Matt this week, you know, especially in, in the death scene with Henry at the ambulance. I thought he did a really good job and, you know, just talking about. And, and and that's actually an interesting point, not to interrupt uh, Lucifer's feedback here, but he was talking with Bellamy about how he never really said he was sorry for taking away his son with inviting the military to town. And then when he's talking to Henry at the end of the episode, he's like, he's like, I know, Fred, I know. So, again, do they are they hearing? Are they conscious? Are they in that? Are they sleeping with their eyes open, but aware of what's going on around him? And he heard Fred talk about that as he was passing away on the gurney. I don't know. Good question. I think Henry just knew in his heart that his brother Fred was remorseful about what happened in season one. And, but this time Fred said, I know, but I never got to actually tell you. Right. Very well done. Uh, number two, grandma is the best. Cause you're the best for you. <laughs> I love it. I uh, can't believe I said that given that I strongly don't like her since day zero. Yes. From strong anti-bully to pretend strong woman to a weak sobbing mother. I just love her now and that she is miserable. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. I don't know if that he loves her or loves that she's miserable. <laughs> Maybe both. I have a feeling he loves that she's miserable. <laughs> uh, number three. What do we have to lose? I don't get Robert. James, don't call me junior. Ha ha ha. I mean, Bellamy. <laughs> Why all the excuses and not take that leap of faith when they have nothing to lose? It's a good point. I mean, at this point, you've seen everything happen. Why not just go along for the ride? And then, of course, was it a Henderson that recently returned? Sir Wayne? <laughs> Is that a family member? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's nobody. You know, it may go back to deep in my family history, and there was some sort of situation with the Hans Christian Anderson side of things that at perhaps they were the, on the side that split, but next week, if they introduce a returned Heinrichs, it is on. That would be great. Wouldn't it? Uh, ABC is really blinded by random ratings and lying numbers rather than being amazed by the quality drama that they have with their compelling storylines. Uh, would they actually cancel this, which is the last thing I want on earth. The writers should make sure that the finale is a wrap or I'll send cicadas to their studio. Great show. <laughs> great it. podcast. Uh, let's go. Let's just make sure this happens. And by the way, don't spoil your second chance. Yes, do not. Thank you so much for that. I love your feedback. That is great stuff. And between the cicadas on resurrection and the glowing butterflies on under the dome, you know, we may need to uh, really get into the study of uh, insects. Well, I was just thinking about if they do cancel the show, uh, we were part of the the Jericho peanut campaign where we sent a bunch of peanuts to CBS to bring Jericho back. I just can't imagine collecting that many dead cicada shells to send over to ABC. It's just gross. Well, you don't have to send just the dead ones, right? Uh, it'd be tough to send the live ones. What's in this box? Bzz, bzz, bzz. Have it burst out, make a tree of life symbol in the middle of the uh, production office. That'd be awesome. That kind of thing gets people's attention. Totally. Uh, Jack wrote in, uh, it must have been tough for the writers to decide who was going to shoot Preacher James, whether it would be Agent Bellamy or Sheriff Langston. While they were having their standoff, all I could think about was how one of them couldn't pull the trigger without getting arrested by the other one for murder, <laughs> as they're both law enforcement officials. <laughs> ah, good point. Uh, as neither one of them were really buying the preacher's claim of being able to get Henry back in the first place. Uh, it made sense that Sheriff Langston ultimately shot Preacher James because even though Bellamy is a federal agent, his duties center around immigration. Had Bellamy been the one to pull the trigger, the sheriff would have been obligated to arrest him. I would like to give another thumbs up to the writers because as much as I don't want to admit it, I jumped out of my seat when Henry returned. When Preacher James said, I'll be back in an hour with Henry, I kind of took it for granted thinking to myself, no big deal. They'll be back in a little while and we can go back to business as usual. Exactly. In retrospect, if they would have been back that soon, I think that all of the other characters would have taken it for granted also. It was great that they were able to convince just about everyone that Henry wasn't coming back. Even when Preacher James showed up, I was was actually expecting him to say sorry, but I tried, only to have him move away and be surprised at the end. Jack. 
Excellent, excellent feedback, Jack. Thank you so much for sending that in. And it's just such a fascinating show on resurrection. I mean, the short time that Henry Langston was gone, they didn't even have time to even plan a funeral, let alone have one. And now he's back. There he is, standing on the front porch, wondering, was it all a dream? Wow, we're we're really supposed to catch that line and really ponder it because that blew my mind that he spoke that out loud. Yeah, if we uh, if we all wake up and it's in uh, Bob Newhart's bed, have you? That'd be a sad way to end show. That, that was one of the top three series finales ever. That was fantastic. Uh. All right, so Ray for this week, Ray Mays. What an episode. 9.9 from this res head. Too much left for only two more episodes. Omar gets my actor of the week this week. I still believe Preacher James is some kind of false prophet. I found it interesting that Preacher James said he had to be shot and killed, be placed in the grave, the ground, where Henry was, and knew that it would take about an hour to return with him. Why dig the grave in that particular location, and why would it take only an hour? Marty's Robert's connection with Preacher James is strong, and they are sharing dreams. I believe that Margaret will be convinced to lead the returned in the facility to escape. She really wants to be forgiven by her family and seeks closure for what she has done. I think it was Lucille's love for Henry, the need to forgive him, and the faith in her husband that actually brings Henry back. Preacher James just focuses on how Lucille feels. I don't think Henry's death and all that has happened on this show is a dream. Time isn't standing still. It's actually coming together, kind of like collapsing on each other. Mm. I don't believe that the writers intended to tie things up in less than 90 minutes of TV time. They, like us, were looking ahead to season three. Interesting because spoiler sites say that Preacher James is actually only going to be in four episodes could this indeed be the end? Ray. Oh, man. It, 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 it's too much to grapple with right now as far as the four episodes. I mean, he's only in four episodes of this season. If there is a season three, Preacher James very well may be there and be a series regular. But, yeah, it's so much good stuff. And, and Ray, thank you for all your emails. If, if we ever need a great, well-thought-out theory that makes a lot more sense than I can make sense of stuff. We we just love hearing from you. Yeah. Great thoughts again by everybody from the res head community. Yes. Again, resurrection com slash feedback or plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine. We want to get your thoughts, your theories on the show. Some great Facebook groups out there, the East coast uh, resurrection, Facebook group, the, the resurrection Facebook group uh, where we have some of the cast are in there and some of the uh, crew and extras, uh, is out there. So make sure you look for those on Facebook, join in on the conversation. It'd be great to hear from everybody. Oh, absolutely. We thank everybody for all of your voicemails, your emails, your Twitter messages, Facebook messages, even just retweeting when we post out a show episode and you retweet it. It's all very much appreciated. It's fantastic. We thank you. And we want to remind you that resurrection revealed is not yet affiliated with ABC television or plan B. We are unofficial. We do have costs for MP3 hosting and feeding out the podcast to you. So if you'd consider supporting us, it'd be great. You can even sign up now for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com. You just go to lynda.com slash resurrection, and we challenge you to learn something new in 2015. And again, that's lynda.com slash resurrection. There's lots of new skills there, and there's plenty that you can soak up. And in 10 days, imagine how much even just in the 10-day free trial, you'll be hooked on learning. You can also do all of your Amazon shopping through our affiliate link at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon, or even sponsor the show directly and invest in making Resurrection Revealed even better, especially with the season three that we're counting on, okay? You can donate once in any amount you like, or even sign up for ongoing monthly donations just go to that donation area on the right sidebar of resurrectionrevealed.com and go from there. Of course, you always want to be sure to keep connected with us on our Facebook page or on Twitter. At Resurrection Pod. Larry King always says it so succinctly. And of course, you want to be sure to follow our personal accounts as well. Uh, you can reach at Wayne Henderson on Twitter as well as myself at Troy Heinrichs. And lastly, leave a review so that the show gets noticed by more and more res heads out there. 
Even if you listen somewhere else, head on over to iTunes. That's resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes. Drop us a note. Tell all the res heads on the show that call in feedback that you like their feedback as well. Or if you're over on Stitcher at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Stitcher, you can go ahead and leave a review and a rating over there as well. But most importantly, make sure you subscribe to the feed. Do not miss an episode because there are only two shows left for season two. Yes, two for season two is where we're going to call it. We're crossing our fingers for that season three. And we want to make sure that you don't miss a single episode because the last two are going to be epic, climactic. It'll be interesting to see where this all lands. So do not miss an episode. Subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, wherever there's a podcast, there we will be. And from all of us here at Noodle Mix Network, we thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our thoughts, our theories, and hang out with some of our friends who also love resurrection. Until next time, I am at Troy Heinrichs. And I'm Wayne Henderson. Although it might be a little more than an hour, we will return soon on Resurrection Revealed. Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx, especially the Once Podcast. If you're already watching Resurrection, you should be watching Once Upon a Time right before it at 8 Eastern and Pacific, 7 Central, and then listen to Once, the unofficial podcast and blog and forum with theories and talk about ABC's Once Upon a Time. All this and a bunch more of great content is waiting for you all over at noodle.mx.